following is a production of Locked Up Sports. Everybody, this is Don LaGreca from the Michael K Show. When it comes to talking sports, Bob Walters and Brett Grasso are the authority. Can't wait. When it comes to talking sports, they're the authority. It's Bob Walters and Brett Grasso. It's Locked Up Sports, and it starts now. Here we go. From the Brian Gunzel Studios, I'm Bob Walters. For the 52nd time, it's the one-year anniversary of Locked Up Sports. We got a big one on deck for you here today. The NBA has hit the All-Star break. The Knicks are climbing up the standings. Saquon and Daniel Jones are going to be expensive. The Grom is hurt. We lost a broadcast legend. Tiger's in trouble. And we speak with Russ Cohen of Sirius XM NHL Radio Network. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to the one-year anniversary show. Uh, I can't believe it's been a year so far. Uh, Brett, again, is not with us again this week. He, of course, is taking care of business down in Florida with his grandma who passed away. I still keep our thoughts with Brett, so make sure you think of Brett and keep him in your thoughts and your prayers and whatnot. We're going to start tonight with the New York Rangers, and the New York Rangers had a huge win last night. It was late last night. You might not have st- stayed up for it. It's on the West Coast. They continue there, rolling right through the Western Conference and the, the Western part of Canada up there. You got Calgary tonight. The Rangers last night fell behind 4-1 in the third in the first period, came back and won 5-4 for their seventh straight win. It's their second seven-game win streak this season, first time in franchise history over, you know, about 96 years. It's the first time that the Rangers have won two, have had two seven-game win streaks in the same season. So this team is rolling right now. I think they they I think they're as good as anybody in the Eastern Conference, to be honest with you. Now, last night, after the first period, I was, I was a little concerned. you got to be a little concerned with uh, Igor Shosturkin. He has not been playing very good. He, he, play, he played very well in the second and third period and made some big stops in overtime in the shootout. He let up four goals in the first period. That, that's a problem. Four goals in a period. You, you can't be letting up four goals in the first period. So we're going to speak with Russ Cohen of the NHL Network, NHL Radio Network, on Sirius XM in just a couple minutes. You know, we'll see what he has to say about everything like that. But the, the Rangers, listen, the Rangers are, are playing real good hockey. They're playing as, as well as anybody in the league. Carolina keeps winning as well. So it, Rangers, you know, they should be able to pass the Devils. I think the Devils are, are kind of a, a paper house, you know, a house of cards. They're doing it with smoke and mirrors. They, they did it without Hughes. They won a couple of games. They tend to fall behind a lot. So they're, they're coming back all the time. And, you know, when you, when you fall behind, like the Rangers did last night, that's not going to happen a lot. You're not going to come back and win those games. The Rangers were down 4-1, and listen, they just kept fighting. I thought they'd pull Shostakhin after the first period. They didn't. Bill Gallant decided to leave him in, and I think it was good that he left him in because you got you to gotta get his confidence up. He's your goalie. You're only going to go as far as Shostakhin takes, takes you. It's the same thing as last year. It's hard for him to live up to the standards of last year because, I mean, he was the best goalie. He was... On pace at one point to set the all-time save percentage for a single season. He, you know, he's not going to do that every year. He's just not. He's been okay. He's had shaky games. Last night was a little bit of a revenge game for the Rangers. As back in November, I was at the game. They had a, they took a three nothing lead into the third period and lost four three. So last night they went. They got revenge. They fell behind three goals in the first period. Came all the way back. 
And I think the biggest goal of last night's game was Kreider at the end of the first period. So rather than going in, you know, 3 nothing, 4 nothing, Kreider got a goal, made it 4-1. They went into the, the first intermission and came out. They got an early one in the second. They got a shorthanded goal. And then Zabanajad tied it late in the third. And they took it into overtime. Shosturkin made some big saves. He only made 25 saves last night. They were all big saves. Most of them, too. In the second and third period, Shosturkin was, was excellent. He made a couple stops in, in the shootout as well. So, well, see, the Rangers have been playing well seven in a row. They got Calgary tonight, back-to-back. You know, if they can win this one and go perfect on this road trip, then then they head back home. You know, they'll be in, they'll be in real good shape. They'll be in real good shape. Elsewhere, came out this week that Saquon Barkley and the Giants actually talked uh, contract negotiations during the Giants' bye week this, this year. Saquon turned down a $12 million per year offer. Now, listen, I wouldn't pay Saquon at this point. He said he doesn't want to reset the, the running back market, but he wants to reset the running back market. Okay, here's the, here's the top five running backs and their salaries in the NFL right now. Christian McCaffrey is at $16 million. Alvin Kamara, 15 Ezekiel Elliott, 15 Dalvin Cook, 12 And Derrick Henry, 12 so if Saquon's turning down $12 million a year and he says he doesn't want to set the reset the market for running backs, then what the hell is he talking about? Reports are that he wants $16 million. $16 million is the top of, top of the line. That's Christian McCaffrey. He's not as good as Christian McCaffrey. He's younger. And just to be honest with you, history shows you that when you give running backs a second contract, it just doesn't work. Running backs fall off a cliff in their in their production, and it could happen at any time. Saquon's like sixty five years old in running back years. He just is. He's old. I wouldn't pay him all that money. You got to put because Daniel Jones is also he's going to get thirty million. He'll get thirty two if they franchise him. He's looking for like thirty five or forty possibly a year. Now, is he worth that? He's probably not worth that. He, he just isn't. But that's what he's going to cost. And Daniel Jones is more important to the Giants than Saquon Barkley is. And halfway through the first year, he, you know, he kind of craps out on you. He gets injured. He comes back. He's never as good. That could happen at any time with him. He is playing with house money now as far as time. He's on borrowed time as far as running backs go. And I know, I know we, like, listen, I like Saquon Barkley, but I wouldn't have picked him second in the draft. And I certainly would not give him this second contract. I mean, and for him to say, I don't want to reset the market, but turn down $12 million, I mean, come on. You're lying. And you have more power to him. If he could go out there and get $16 million or $15 million from a team, you know, good luck. Go out there and get it. Go out and get it. Because I don't think the Giants should give it to him. They got to work on their offensive line. They need receivers. The Giants need a top receiver, Daniel Jones. And they're going to have to pay Daniel Jones, who, as of all reports are, is going to get $35 million. And if they franchise him, he'll get $32.5 million. That's just the number. Quarterbacks are expensive. Running backs, you don't need a top running back to be successful in the NFL. And if you just look at the, the, the best team in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs, they don't have one. They got a guy in the seventh round from Rutgers. You know what? He did the job. He scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He played well in the Super Bowl. He played well throughout the playoffs. What do they have? They have big receivers. And they have the quarterback. And they have a good offensive line. Look at the Eagles. The Eagles have a good offensive line. 
you got to work on the offensive line, the quarterback, and receivers. The Giants already have the defense. Their defense is good. They pressure the quarterback. they got decent corners. They can work on the secondary a little bit. But besides that, the Giants are okay. I think they'd be just as good without Saquon Barkley as they would be with Saquon Barkley, except they'd have an extra $60 million to spend. So that's my thought on that. I don't think the Giants should sign him. I think they probably will, though. I think they'll probably end up settling around $14 million for Saquon. And that's, a, I mean, that's a lot for a running back. Especially when you don't need a running back. You don't need a top-flight running back. Look at the names I read off to you. Chris, besides Christian McCaffrey, the rest of them haven't done anything in the playoffs. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, is he worth 15, uh, $12 million or $15 million now? He's definitely not worth $15 million. Cowboys could have got to exactly where they ended up with or without Ezekiel Elliott. And he's old now. He's old. Saquon is old. Saquon is 65 years old in running back years. You want a 65-year-old running back? Go ahead. Give him $14 million. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the All-Star game for the NBA, the All-Star break for the NBA is this weekend. Last night they had the Celebrity game. They had the, the Future Stars game. I watched a little bit of the Celebrity game. That was about it. And the only reason I watched it is because there was a hockey game coming on after. And it, it bled into the hockey game on ESPN. But, you know, I'm, I'm not big into All-Star games. I've said that before. I could care less. The NBA All-Star game is as bad as the rest of them, to be honest with you. It's basically just like a shoot-around. There's no defense. Barely any defense played in a regular season game in the NBA. There's even less in an All-Star game. But the Knicks, listen, the Knicks are playing real well. Knicks come in, they, they look, they're rising up the standings, they won five out of six, they beat the Sixers, the Magic, the Nets, and the Hawks, leading up to the All-Star break. And the Hawks win was a good win, because that's a team that they usually would lose to. The Sixers, too. The Sixers and the Nets were good wins, too. But the Nets, we know, have fallen off. They, you know, they're hitting hard times. The Knicks are in sixth place in the East. Right now, as it stands right now, the Knicks would be in the regular playoffs. They wouldn't even be in the play-in game, or the play-in tournament. And I'll tell you what, the, the trade that they made for Josh for Josh Hart has been big. He's really meshed well, playing well. Jalen Brunson is, has been as good as anybody. This is Jalen Brunson's team now. And the Knicks are, the Knicks are playing decent basketball. Are they going to go anywhere in the playoffs? I mean, I don't know. I guess they could get a win. You know, maybe they get a playoff series win. How long has it been since that happened? There's a good chance they could end up playing the Nets in the play-in game. You know, it'd be fun to see a Knicks-Nets play, playoff series, right? It'd be something. It'd be something for the city to get excited about as far as basketball goes because there's nothing in the, the capital of basketball. New York City is supposed to be the mecca of basketball. The Knicks have been terrible for as long as I can remember. The Nets have fallen apart. St. John's is terrible. You know who the best team, the best basketball team in the city is? And they're not even in the city. They're in Nassau County, and it's Hofstra. Hofstra is your best team in the, in the New York area, tri-state area. So it's good to see the Knicks playing well. They've won five out of six. Like I said, Josh Hart's been good for the team. Jalen Brunson's been unbelievable. You know, he's, he looks like he was when he was at Villanova. So the Knicks, they take the weekend off. They come, they come into the second half now. Winners of five of six. Six plays in the playoffs. And they are, let me see, they're... You know, they're four games, they're two games behind the Nets. So they could, they could catch the Nets. They could catch the Nets and pass the Nets. You know, if the Knicks can get a, uh, into the five seed, you know, you'd be, you'd be thrilled with that. Thrilled with a five seed for the Knicks. 
They're in the playoffs. They play the four fives. You know, they'd probably get the sixes of the Cavs, and they'd probably lose. But it's something to build on. It would be something to build on for the Knicks. We got a lot more to do. We're going to get to our interview now. We got uh, Russ Cohen. Russ is uh, an author of 10 books. He's a you know a bunch of books about the Mets, about the Rangers. He also is on Sirius XM, NHL Network, NHL Radio Network. I spoke with him yesterday, and here's my, here's my talk with Russ Cohen. All right, this next guest now I'm very excited for, an author of, of nine books. He's co-authored books such as 100 Things Ranger Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Another book was 100 Rangers Greats. The Mets book, Numbers Don't Lie, The Biggest Numbers in Mets History. You can find them Sirius XM, NHL Radio Network. Russ Cohen is his name. Russ, thanks for joining the show. Anytime, though. Now, we just got some breaking news about a half hour ago. Legendary Mets broadcaster, catcher for the Cardinals, passed away, Tim McCarver, at 81 years old. He is into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2012, out of the Ford C. Frick Award. And, uh, Rush, you got, a, you got a McCarver story for us? I do, Bob. So, two things. Um, he grew up um, in Memphis, and my cousins are from Memphis, so I always seem to have, like, an autographed picture of Tim McCarver, and they always talk about him because he was very um, famous in that area. But then, you know, after his playing career, uh, you'd watch him uh, with the Mets, and he was just great in the booth. And I remember uh, one time in, in particular watching Sports Channel, when they used to cover doubleheaders, they would just kind of leave the mic open. Uh, so all of a sudden you heard, like, and and I think Tim realized that the mic was open, and he goes, I'll take that soda, Ralph. Thanks. And, you know, so you could tell the guys were drinking in between the games. And, and I just thought that was great. I mean, you knew, you knew Ralph was. I mean, that was obvious. So not shocking that Tim joined him. And it was just funny because, like, those, you know, you can't do that anymore. That doesn't, those things don't happen anymore. No, well, that's like the picture that they have of Keith Hernandez smoking the cigarette in the dugout. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's, it's like, oh, well, well, Jim Leland used to smoke cigarettes. Oh, yeah. In the dugout all the time. I mean, listen, McCarver, McCarver and Kiner, the Madden and Summerall. Of of, yeah. of baseball, you know, and he went on. Yeah, to do, they were. He went on to do uh, with with Joe Buck and fucking Fox and and the and the World Series and everything. So Tim McCarver dead. He's eighty one. He was eighty one years old. Hall of Fame broadcaster. Um, but what I want a good player too. Yeah, he was a decent player. I was just looking at his numbers. He he had uh, he almost you know two seventy one. He had ninety seven home runs. He he was a catcher. So he he was a good ball player. Two time World Series champion. See- yeah, he was Steve Carlton's personal catcher, like in St. Louis and in Philly. So that was a big deal. He got known for that too. Yeah, yeah. I was he's, he's more known, I'd say, as a broadcast. He was he was the voice of the Mets growing up. Sure. I didn't Kiner was oh, yeah. Kiner was a little old for me. I wasn't crazy about Kiner. I know that everybody goes crazy about it, and I I get killed when I say I wasn't a big Kiner fan. But McCarver, I liked McCarver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He taught he taught everybody things, especially like outfield positioning. Yeah, yeah, no, and he would, and you know what it was? He would be critical too. He'd be critical of the, of yeah. the home team, and that was a big oh, thing. Yeah. Like the broadcasters didn't do that very often back then. So you no, know, and that's a, and that's a reason they got rid of him too. <laughs> yeah, I, hey, listen, eventually, you know, eventually they get sicky if you keep doing that. Um, so let's uh, let's talk a little NHL, a little hockey. Um, Rangers. Now the Rangers, they're one of the hottest teams in the NHL. They won their sixth straight last night. They're twelve two and two since since the start of the year. They got, you know, they're scoring almost four goals a game. Panarin is, you know, six goals in the last two games. Do you think the Rangers could be the favorite to win the East? I'm still going to go with Carolina because Carolina still has 
better off, um, better defense. And while the Rangers have better goalie goaltending, the system that Rob Brindamore r- runs, I think, could still um, eat this out in the regular season. And look, the Rangers in the regular season can outscore teams, no question. And I think that'll hold for a while. You can't outscore teams in the playoffs. Like it's not going to work all playoffs. So I think they'll still um, try and get another defensive forward. But I don't. I don't picture them um, winning these. Certainly possible, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple teams that are up there. The, you know, the Bruins. The Bruins have fallen off. The Bruins lost four of their last five, and even with that, they're forty eight and five. So they, yeah, they only have two losses at home. So they, you know, falling off is, is <laughs> yeah. Well, well they fall off lately, four to five. You know, and then you, I know, I know. Tampa's playing well. Tampa's playing well, and the Devils are also the Devils started to slide a little bit, but they they seem to be doing it with smoke and mirrors. They're a young team, they're a fast team. I don't know what to think of the Devils. I think the the fact that they fall behind early in games is going to eventually come back to bite them. Well, I mean, they were winning without Jack Hughes too, so you have to say that's pretty tremendous. Uh, they look. They have Dougie Hamilton. The goaltending's been good. That's something that's been bad the last few years. So that's that's solidified. That's a big deal. Jesper Bratt is has turned out to be a terrific player in this league. A second line guy. They listen. Devils have have more talent than I think people want to give credit for. And while other teams have home dominance, they only have three losses on the road. Twenty three and three. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah, they, they, you know what it is? They had that one streak where they won like eighteen in a row. Yeah. You know, or twenty yeah. in a row. Now, do you think back to the Rangers with Shesterkin? Do you think? Because I kind of feel like he's not playing great this year. He has he's missed a bunch. He he has missed a lot of time. Do you think it's just that he he was so good last year? He set the bar kind of kind of high. Yeah, I do think it was that. I mean, again, they even said that when the All Star game started. Like, hey, he's not doing good as last year, but he's an all-star. And it's like, don't, why are you saying this? <laughs> like, you know, it's like he's being held to his own standard. It's kind of not fair. Let's see how the next 10, 20 games roll. Let's see how he's rolling into the playoffs. I don't really worry too much about Igor Shesterkin. But again, you know, the Rangers' blue line could, could do a little better for him. That's no question about that. Well, I mean, hey, look, last year they hung him out to dry, basically. And he had to, he had oh, yeah. to win games just by himself last year. Now, they made a big trade. They got Tarasenko here. He seems to be meshing real well with Panarin. It's early. Panarin's a streaky yeah. scorer. He's that kind of player. You know, he's on one of those streaks right now. Do you think that now they can move somebody back now? Because Tarasenko's a top uh, a top six uh, forward. He's another goal mm-hmm. scorer. He seems to me like the kind of player that could be the last piece in the puzzle, basically for, for you know, maybe a cup run, I, I should say. But, you know, Rangers don't win cups. Well, I mean, it's not fair to say that because uh, it, it could happen. I, I do like Tarasenko with Panarin. I, I kind of wish it would be with Trocek in the middle because I feel like he's a guy that um, can go into the corner. I'm still hoping that that could become something, um, you know, whatever. Those those two guys as a combination is a big deal. Uh, Adam Fox is tremendous. They have a lot of things going. Miller's having a really good season. Schneider, I think, is at least solidified himself as a third-pairing guy right now. I think he could do better in the future. But, you know, right now you look at their top two, it's great. Uh, Kreider is still really, really good. We knew he wasn't going to get 50 goals this year, but he's still um, delivering the mail. So, I, you know, there's there's very little to be upset about, honestly. And, and I think the big thing for them is it's just, you know, how are they going to 
be in those last 10 games. And I think that getting Tarasenko early was good because um, I, I often think that when you get somebody with that big of a personality, uh, mostly offensive player, that you want that guy to sort of have a chance to mesh. And I think that's that's really smart. Yeah, he and he seems to be a hard worker. First one, at, you know, one of those first one at the rink, last yeah. one to leave type of guys. Last year was it was I mean last year was a lot of fun. I love that run they had last year. That was it was unexpected. It was fun. You know it was it was it was a lot of fun. I was at the garden for a lot of the games. The place was rocking. Um, it was unexpected. I think that's kind of what made it fun. And now this year, now they came in with high expectations. There was a point in time where they were talking about Gallant might be might be out when they weren't playing well early. They've kind of come into it now. They've hit their stride. Filipino seems to be a, a is a is a big is a surprise for me at least because. He's got 19 goals now. He's never scored more than, you know, like, what was it, 14 or something in his career. Right. And now he's got 19. He's on pace. So he's probably going to hit, like, 25 goals. Panarin's going to get his second 30-goal season. This team is scoring more. Last year they weren't scoring. Do you think uh, – what do you think is the catalyst for that? Uh, I think the catalyst is he's much stronger than he's ever been. I think the uh, physical strength is there. I think the confidence is there. Uh, I see him uh, – Going to the net more, I see him shooting closer to the net, and I think all those things are helping him. And he just he he gets these quick strike goals now. But he is a really strong guy and strong on the puck. And I think now uh, more than ever, and and he's going to get a big contract as a result. But I think he's earned it. I don't know if they're they're only going to have like Drury's only going to have about sixteen million to to, to play around with, and like Hedl's going to he's going to now he's going to get some money. The kids are finally playing a little bit better. You know, they, they, they had to come into their own eventually. They, you took a top, top level of the draft. A lot of these guys, like Lafreniere, he scored a little bit. They, they, he's still not getting utilized correctly, but if they keep the kid line together, he'll be fine. But, you know, we'll go on to that. I don't know. Yeah, he, he like, he likes to switch the lines up. Now, now the Islanders on the other, on the other side, the Islanders are fading. They, they, they got, uh, the big trade with Vancouver. They traded their captain. They got Bo Horvat back. Do you think the are the Islanders going to make a push here, or are they or are they going to be done for the season? I think they're done for the season. I know mathematically it doesn't look like that, but it's so hard to gain a few points. Uh, Pittsburgh still has games in hand. Buffalo has a lot of games in hand. You know, I don't believe in Florida that much, but if Buffalo were to get a goalie at the deadline, they could be very very tough down the stretch. I think Washington's hanging on, but I think they have the ability to hang on. And the fly and the. Uh, Islanders just don't score enough. I mean, you know, I think last time I looked, Bo Horvat, and I was at, you know, I covered his first game, and, you know, he's really good. He'll be good for the future, too, but it's not like he's Pablo Bori and he's going to put up multi goal games and all these things. You know, he's got four points in five games, very respectable, but again, wasn't going to make their offense make, you know, a big deal where, you know, Bovillier, they lost, now he's got three points in five games. They lost something there, so it's almost like they're at net zero with that, and I, they got and, a little you know, younger, though. Can, he got a little younger, right? With a little younger, sure. Okay, and then the cap got a little more um, crunched in the in that result too, because Lou's not going to have a lot to spend next year either. So I look at all of it and I say, eh, it doesn't look great. Now this, really is, yeah, this, I mean, I don't. This is nothing can really tarnish Lou, Lou Lamarill's his his Overall, legacy. It can't. But right. but. This is a disappointment. Last year, they, now last year they kind of had a built-in excuse. They had the COVID. They were building that new building for. They had to play the first month. I didn't month. let them get. I didn't let them use that excuse because I felt like it was weak. And just because they won games at the end of the season when it really didn't matter, I, I'm not buying it. Yeah, you don't think you don't think that's. A, I mean, they they were away. They no. didn't play a home game for a month and a half. 
No, and I knew that would be a factor, but I'm not letting COVID be a factor. Okay, fair point, fair point. Because everybody had to deal with that. That's a beautiful building. You've been in there, I'm guessing, right? I have not been there yet. No, I really need to get there, but um, I will get there at some point. But, yeah, yeah it's a nice building. They, they want to keep it full. So Lou made that trade because he's got to keep the fans engaged. But, you know, the, the other thing about the Islanders is, they don't have trots. Why did trots leave? I think trots saw what was on the wall. Writing was on the wall. Guys were getting older. Guys are going to start getting more injured. Guys like Parisi again and Clutterbuck, those guys. There's a lot of guys like that on this team, and it kind of works for trots. But then I think trots wanted to make some moves in the offseason that maybe Lou didn't want to or couldn't because of the cap, and I think trots left as a result. I do. And so Lane Lambert's got a tough job. I know Islander fans are upset with him, but I don't know what else he could do. Uh, I just think right now they're in a spot where they have aging talent, they've got too many $5 million forwards, and they don't have enough offense. Yeah, I, I, you know, and it's, it's a shame because they built, you know, that's a, it's like I said, I've been there twice. Beautiful, there's not a bad seat in the house. You sit upstairs, even in like the very last row. I sat in the, the upper, the upper ball area, but when you're sitting in that last row, even you could, it's got a great view. It's kind of like the 300s at the garden. But, yes. um, you know, and that's what I've heard. And, and it's and it's it doesn't rock like the old barn did. You know, that place right. rocked during the playoffs. That place was crazy. It did. I was at the last Islander Ranger game there and it was great. I mean, it, it really was. But they needed a new place. It was kind of like Shea Stadium. You know, when I went to Shea Stadium, when yeah. I go to Shea Stadium, I'd be like, oh, this a is new a new place dump. with bathrooms. With yeah. Bathrooms. Yeah. Oh, they have all kinds Indoor of bathrooms. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. They have all kinds of stuff, though. They have an outside like party deck and stuff and everything out there, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Now, um, speaking of the Mets, uh, are you surprised? Are you surprised at all that the Grom is as shoulder stiffness? No, I mean, look, he's going to have all these kinds of hiccups for the rest of his career. It's just something. But, you know, again, he he seems to know how to head it off before something happens. So you just have to always be ready for DeGrom to miss a start here, two starts there, you know, some training camp there. But, you know, I still expect them to have a good season. I I know some Mets are enjoying this. Met fans, I'm not. I, I like Jacob DeGrom. I don't care why he left. Um, yeah, it was a little disturbing, you know, seeing him at the uh, autograph session with the Rangers. Um, season ticket holder, sure. But, again, that's just something that goes on all the time. They've got to push him. They just spent all this money. I get how all that works, you know, in sports. So, I, I'm not mad. I, I do wish him the best. I, I will still watch some of his starts because he's like the most entertaining pitcher to watch in baseball, period. Yeah, he. I mean, he's the most dominating that I've ever seen in, in, in short spans. You know, it's almost right. it's almost like I would imagine Sandy Sandy Koufax was. Not not up to that level because he didn't do it as long. Yeah. But that I mean, kind I of pitcher. I saw Seaver, and, and it was a lot like that. I saw Pedro in his prime, right? Doc. It was a lot like that. Doc. I, I actually just went back um, – because I was finding some old photos, and I found a, uh, a ticket stub for May 27, 1986, and I looked that game up, and Gooden pitched nine innings, had five hits, and ten strikeouts. Yeah, yeah, you don't see so that. I, I, I saw a lot of vintage doc, I did. That brings me to my next way. Is, is, starting, is, start, is a baseball starting pitcher the most overrated, overpaid position in sports? It's still really important. It's overpaid for sure, but it's, it can't be overrated because – uh, you saw even with the Mets team that I felt was pretty flawed at times last year, the pitching was carrying them through. And so I feel like when you get in the playoffs, pitching and defense definitely come to the forefront. Because, again, how many guys go on big home run tears in playoffs? I mean, Beltran did it once, and you see it Murphy. once in a while. But, yeah, Murphy did it that one year. 
but again, most of the time, it's your pitching that's going to carry you through, and really your starting pitching. It's great to have that bullpen, and, and a guy like Diaz is great now, and I think we all trust him. I'm going to just leave it at that. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I don't. But, <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I know there's people that still don't. You know why? Because it. if you're not, the way I look at it is if you're not Mariano Rivera, I don't trust you as a closer because they're so up and down. They have one, one well, season great. I don't think that's fair. That's an unfair standard. I mean, I just think if he if he's like this again this year, I'll trust him. Uh, I trust him more than Armando, Armando Benitez already. So if that's, oh, yeah, uh, listen, if that's worth That's it. why I don't trust him, because I have a past with closers. I mean, John Frank, right. even Johnny Franco had the time run on third every every game, even the yeah, ones that he saved. I know, I know, but I, I don't have any ill will towards Johnny. Um, but I get it. I get all of it. Um, I just the worry about the Mets is while everybody is – uh, looking at DeGrom, you've, you've got one of the oldest starting staffs on record. So, you know, Carrasco is a history, injury history a little bit. He was pretty good last year. So hopefully he doesn't. Verlander looks like he dropped a few pounds. And, but again, do you want Verlander pitching in, um, early part of the season? You don't want him opening up at City Field, do you, in 45, 50 degree weather? I don't think so. No. And that- so I, okay, good. So that April, so in April, they're going to have to like juggle around the staff because of the age. You know, maybe Scherzer will take that opening uh, nod at City. I don't know. Like, I've been to every opening day since 1988, but I, you know, I remember great opening day pitchers, and I remember, you know, when Bobby Jones was their best pitcher. So, you know, in this one, I, if it's, it wouldn't shock me if all of a sudden neither of the top two guys are the opening day starter and they make Senga do it. That wouldn't shock me. Hey, Bobby Jones had one of the best pitching performances in Mets history. Yeah, against the Reds. And now we got the Giants. The Giants. That's one right. one hitter, Giants. one hitter. Yeah, I was there. One hitter. I, I was remember there. that. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Was oh, great you were at that game. Yeah. I was there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was good. Now, but see, sure, Verlander, I, I trust Verlander. Now, I know he could get hurt. He, he obviously went through Tommy John late late in his career here, but I think what Verlander's done here in this kind of second career that he's had, I think he's a top 10, top 12 pitcher of all time. Yeah, but again, I also watched him intently in the World Series, and he's just at a loss for velocity. And let's face it, he did get his first win, but he barely got out of that game too. Like there's that worry too. Like where is he going to be at the end of the season? Is he going to be that worn out? Um, you have to worry about that. He is an all-timer. There's no question about that. But I, I do worry about that guy because I'm sure you saw and, you know, the velocity was not good. Yeah, no, but but when you get older like that, the great ones do, they, they, they got to pitch. They got to learn how to pitch. You know, you're not going to have your yeah. velocity forever. So you got to learn how to pitch. So, We'll, we'll see. We'll see how he does. Now, um, your books here. Now, you had uh, you had mentioned Fox before. I know you have Brian yeah. Leach listed as your your greatest Ranger of all time. Correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you th- how close do you think Adam Fox can come to Brian Leach? Well, I think it will take a while, but he's got similar hockey IQ, uh, probably better speed. Even though Leach's speed was really good for the day, but. Um, I do like the calmness on the ice is just tremendous for Fox. I mean, I've covered him through uh, the NTDB, Harvard, all of that. So I've really gotten to see him his whole career, and uh, it's impressive. So I think if he could have seven or eight more years like this, I think we'd have a conversation going. But I think it's going to take that because, the, the, you know, the standard for Leach was amazing, the 102 points and all of that. Uh, maybe Carlson passes Leach this year. And gets 108 for, you know, nobody's done that since the league in 92. So 91, 92. So that's, it's a long time. Um, maybe Fox could do it one year. I think he can. 
if he does, then then I will start talking like that. But it's we're a little ways. Yeah, away. No, I, I know it's I know it's sacrilege to kind of to kind of even throw anybody up there with with Leach. Um, I, I'm, my guy was Richter. I was I'm a huge uh, that was my favorite athlete of all sure. time, Mike Richter. And you know he's now. Do you see what he's doing? He's he's saving the world. He's out there. Yeah, he's running a company that's uh, the climate change and everything. Yeah. You know, so he's he's doing no. good, he's doing great things. Smart guy, you know. Uh, last time I interviewed him, we talked about um, it was for my college hockey book, Sticks and Stones, and so I, I actually talked about his time at Wisconsin, and he goes, "Wow, nobody's talked about Wisconsin with me for a really long time, if ever." And so, you know, we had fun with that conversation, but then also, you know, he talked about how he has to worry about CTE, you know, because I was covering the Rangers. So he got the concussions. Uh, all the home stuff, all their home games uh, when he had the skull fracture. And so, yeah, I mean, that, you know, he's just a, a tremendous guy and really a smart guy. And so nothing would shock me. Mike Richter, to me, could probably do anything. Yeah, I didn't even know all this about him. I just I just kind of found out recently that he's doing all that. Yeah. You've got a new project that you're working on with, uh, with someone I know, who I've worked with, Mark Roseman. Uh, why don't you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that? Yeah, Kinder's Corner. Uh, it's Kinder's Corner Web on um, on Twitter. It's great. It's kinderscorner.com, and basically it's a multimedia experience. We're going to have a lot of post – well, I shouldn't say it won't be every post game. Every series will have a, um, a post-series discussion. We'll have various other uh, Zoom calls where fans can definitely be interactive. We're going to have some meet-the-Mets moments. So there's guys like Hojo, Barry Lyons is on board. We'll probably be a few others. Uh, some really great writers like Howie Carpin, who I've done – uh, my book, uh, Baseball's Best Rookies, with two versions of that. Uh, so he's going to be a, a part of it, Jim Cerny, a lot of great people. And, yeah, I already um, contributed a uh, a video for the Instagram feed, so look for that in the next day. And that's a, it's a collectibles video. It's about a uh, Siva Ryan rookie card that a company made. It wasn't a Topps issue card, but it was a fun card. And then also I did a uh, an article on the Nobody Beats the Wiz set, um, trying to put that together um, from Mets giveaways. So uh, I'll have some various stuff like that. I'll probably put up maybe some statistical articles because I kind of like to do that. And that's what the Mets book was about when I did it. And so, yeah, and it's, I actually even did an NBA book uh, a year ago on the NBA top 75. So I'm 10 books into it, but uh, a lot of baseball, a lot of hockey, and even in all the baseball, there's always Mets guys in there. So like in baseball's best rookies, you know, Gooden gave me an exclusive, and there's some great stuff with Dwight Gooden. So, you know, Mike Piazza's in that book. So always a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, I, when I was reading up on your stuff, I didn't even know how to introduce you. I was like, well, well this guy does everything. He's writing books, he's <laughs> Rangers, right. he's Mets, he's yelling. I was like, oh, this guy's great. Now, a quick Hojo story for you. Um, you could you could even yeah. relay it to him. When I was maybe 10, 11 years old, we used to, you know, I went with my buddy to the games. We'd go around to after the game, wait out in center field for the players to come out, you know, how the parking lot was behind the, the, yeah. the scoreboard. He drives yeah. out, he stops. I have an ice cream. I lean over. Somebody says something to him. He pulls away. My ice cream gets all over his car, and he runs over my foot. Ooh. Ran over my foot, did not break any toes or anything, and, it, and, and you know, it's been a great story. I've been, t- I've been telling the story forever. My buddy, my co-host, who actually usually does the show with me, he's not here today, but he actually ran over my foot, so... You can, you can relay that to Hojo. I'll, just tell him. I'll, I'll relay it to him. He, he really is a great guy, though. He, he wrote the forward for my Mets book, and I, you know, we, we talked about the, um, the X-raying of his bats from Whitey Herzog and how Herzog, you know, to get to the 
visiting dugout and locker room in Shea. You had to go through the home. So he would pass Hojo and wink at him. And, you know, he had that, that whole thing going and he never caught him because he never did it. But it was just one of those things where those were kind of like, you know, great moments. But, you know, Howard's is he, a terrific guy. I, I like his interactions on Twitter. Uh, I like the information he gave me uh, for the book. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to working with him. He seems like he's going into the Hall for the Mets Hall of Fame this year. He's yep. going in with Howie, yep. of course, Howie and and uh, and Gary. Now, let me let yeah, me. Yeah, with three, four years, he was the man. I mean, he, yeah. you know, homers and steals. Oof. Well, he went from the 86 Mets, and then he was on those terrible 90s teams, too. The oh, early yeah. 90s yeah. teams. So he kind of ran the gamut with the Mets. Uh, Howie he Rose, was. when I say Howie Rose to you, do you picture, uh, do you say baseball announcer or hockey announcer? No, I, I, I say baseball. Um, and I know he went to Cardoza High School, and my wife went to Cardoza High School, I think, a year before he like a year uh she's a year younger so i, I think of him more of the mets but sure i mean look how he is synonymous with the rangers well, yeah, too, Mateau, but, Mateau, but, Mateau. yeah but really you know with the mets it's 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 a bigger breadth of things it's just more successful um with the rangers but no i, I would still say Mets. he even did islanders for a while the mets have had high, i mean gary, gary thorne is one of my all-time both Baseball and hockey now. He's one of the best. I he called uh, when I in Game Six the Messier guarantee. I didn't yeah. have the, I didn't have Sports Channel at home, so I had to listen to um, it on I had to listen to it on the radio because they did the yeah. you know the, the the home Devil games on Sports Channel, and um, you know then you get his call with Messier dumping it down into the empty net for the yo. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? So I, I loved I love Gary Thorne. I think he was. Well, great. I was listening to some of the radio too on that because I was already. Um, Living in the uh, Philly area by then, I had worked lived in Atlantic City for a while, but I was I was out in really New Jersey, like South Jersey. So I had to listen to to some of that too. I, I love Gary Thorne. I had a chance to meet him. He's a great guy. You know Howie too. But I remember Howie coming through um, Philly because I I've been covering um, Flyers really consistently for probably like ten fifteen years, and I also get around. I go to all the rinks. Gotcha. Uh, but when Howie was coming through with the Islanders, he never seemed as happy. He just didn't. So I was, that's why I was happy when um, he stopped doing the dual job. I think, I think he enjoyed it to a degree, but I, you know, I think he always wanted to rather be full-time Mets, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think he's bigger with the Mets. I'm surprised he never got picked up, you know, by the national guys. But, but, but you know, it is, he's, yeah, a, he's a home time. interesting one. You know, especially Howie, because Gary Thorne did. Gary Thorne was ESPN when they were doing it back in the day. Gary Thorne did well, ESPN. I, I, there's a reason. There's a reason. And this is no slight against Howie, and I think he would agree with this. Uh, Gary Thorne's just got the pipes. Like, he's – look, I do a lot of radio, too, podcast and otherwise. I don't have, like, your classic radio voice, nothing close to it. But Gary Thorne does, and it's perfect, and he's really good at it. Howie's tremendous at it, too. Don't get me wrong. But Howie really is thought of as more of a local guy, a New York guy. And I think that – that's different because, you know, Gary Thorne, look, he's been doing uh, Masson for a long time now, right, with the Orioles. Yeah, the Orioles. He, does, he came back and did a couple of Mets games last year. Was it last year or right. two years and ago? he did last year, I think, and it was great. Uh, we were all about it in my house. We watched them. We enjoyed them. It was fantastic. And so, and, and we're, by the way, we're very happy that, that Keith signed on for a couple more years. That's nice. Last year, I took him my first spring training. And so I went down to St. Lucie, and Keith was there, and he was taking um pictures with fans and then he goes listen everybody just crowd around me let's just do one big shot and i got in that just at the last minute so it was fun it, you know i love that Keith kind of stuff i love yeah, Keith I Hernandez as a mets fan 
but he's a jerk as a person, and I've had multiple interactions with him. <laughs> oh, I don't listen. I, I, you know, Grumpy Keith makes me laugh, man. That's that's really that's all I care about. I, you know, the other stuff, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, you're right. As long as they, listen, that's a great team. That's a great local team. That's the best local team you got, Gary, Keith, and Ron, because Ron's smarter right. than all, all of them. Yeah, Ron's tremendous. I mean, I can give you a good Ron story. When I was, um, I used to be in the hotel business. I was in it for ten years. I have a degree and. I was working in Atlantic City. I was actually at a Trump hotel. And so it was a night of the Holyfield Foreman fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I wasn't working uh, the hotel that night. I was kind of helping with security because there was just so many famous people there that the GM was like, hey, do you want to stay late and kind of just do that stuff? And I said, sure. So I was upstairs, like, in the party area, and a lot of people came up there. I mean, a lot. I could throw names. Even guys like Will Smith were in the hotel. Just everybody was there for this for this fight but um he did say listen come downstairs i got i got some people to meet you and i said all right and and i and i you know i was with i think even joe piscopo at the time helping him get back out of the party and you know the gm's like listen these guys aren't going to stay forever you need to come down here now and i'm like oh all right so i got down there and there were two mets there but john franco just left his autograph and left but ron darling waited and he met me, and we talked, and it was great. And then I had a chance to cover a couple of Met games, so I just said hi to Ron. But I, I the utmost respect for him. Uh, he was always great to fans, and he's just tremendous at his job. Like, he's just – he's a guy that gets better and better. Well, he's a national guy, too. TNT picked him yes. up, or TBS picked him up. But, then, yeah, he's smarter yeah, than all of us. I he's dare Yale, say right? he's probably – I dare say, yeah, he's Yale. I dare say he's the best. I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like he is. I feel like he – um can watch any team pick up these things, um, pitch them, especially on the pitching angles, you know, pick, pick up on that, teach you a few things, uh, point out some stuff that I think others miss. He, he, really he plays that. it down the middle because that's what a lot of people don't get. It's like Joe Buck. Joe Buck's a great announcer. Joe Buck was the voice sure. of my generation of sports, basically. Yeah. People hate yeah. Joe Buck. And you know what? That just means because the, the Giants fans will say, Joe Buck hate, or Aikman hates him and Joe Buck and, and the Cowboys fans will say the same thing. That just means that they're doing it down the road. Cause we're used to guys he's like. A, he's a good guy. You know what the problem is? Cause I know people that know him and, and they all say he's a great guy. But I think the way he kind of does the broadcast with Troy, I think that's what gets him in trouble. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Troy's all right. Listen, I'm Cowboys, I'm a Giants guy. No, so but I mean, just the interactions that kind of makes him come off in a bad light. He tries to be funny. Too. I think he tries to be funny. He's not right. funny. He's not funny. But, right. he's a, but he's a great broadcaster, and the, and I, that game he did with the the where he got to do his father's call. We'll see you tomorrow night. That's one of the all time right. games of. I mean, just one of the all time. When you say game six, yeah, me, you, and we all think of you know Buckner and the Mets. That game was better than the Mets game six. I think. Uh, freeze hit, freeze hitting two home runs. They were down. They were down two runs. They hit the triple with two outs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's as no, good. A big deal. It's as good. But- yeah, yeah. Um, and I will say Jack Buck was better. I mean, I don't think, I think even Joe would agree with that. He was just a tremendous uh, broadcaster, too. I used to enjoy his games when he was on, and he would occasionally get on the national stuff, too. Not occasionally, he did do national. Yeah, yeah. Jack Buck, yeah, Jack Buck was great. Hey, listen, you know, it is yes. what it is. But hey, listen, Russ, thank you for giving us a couple minutes. Tell, uh, tell Hojo. I'm going to need him on the show, otherwise he'll be contacted by my lawyer. Maybe I'll start limping. Listen, I think the statute of limitations is <laughs> up on that, Bob. I, I, it's it might, I, really you know, I think you're right. Way. I think you're right. I think you're right. I get enough. I get enough injuries at work working in this jail, you know. And I'm not. I'm not a big guy either. So, but uh, yeah. tell people tell, quickly. Tell people where they can find you. Sure. So um, you can go to sportsology.com. 
I have plenty of articles up there. Uh, if you like hockey prospects, I'm with EliteProspects.com. I do the uh, a lot of draft work with uh, SiriusXM. I'm on Sirius every Tuesday at 12:15 with Mick Kern. Uh, Amazon.com. I you know I have ten books. Uh, you can direct message me if you want any of them autographed. Fine, no problem. I'll send them out to you. And, you know, that's it. I'm out there. And then kindnesscorner.com. Yeah. And his books are the best, people. His books are the best because they're, they're, they're objectionable. You're reading it and you, you want to find you to yell at you at some of these things. You know, that's you fine. disagree I mean, with it. That's, I, what, that's what's okay great about it. it. That's what's great about it, though. So anyway, yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> that's why you wrote it. His name is Russ Cohen. Russ, thanks for, for joining us here today. Thanks, Bob. All right. How about that? Russ Cohen, thank you for stopping by. That was an excellent spot. Excellent spot. Good job by Russ. Listen, he likes Carolina. I think the Rangers probably are as good as Carolina. I think, you know, they beat them last year in the playoffs, right? They beat them in seven games. But the Eastern Conference is by far much better than the Western Conference. The Rangers are rolling through the West, uh, Western Canada, the Western Conference. They got Calgary tonight. They beat Edmonton. They beat Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver's no good. Edmonton is, is decent. You know, Connor McDavid's having an all-time season. He had 100 points last night in his 56th game, so uh, he also doesn't like the Islanders. And I, and I agree with him there. The Islanders are finished. You know, they made that, that trade, and it just it, it hasn't it hasn't really sparked the team like you thought it would. So the Islanders, uh, I think, are going to miss the playoffs. And the Devils, I think, are fading. I think the Devils are kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors. But anyway, thank you to Russ Cohen. You know, all those books he's got, pick them up because they, they're excellent. You know, they're basically like, uh, like lists. You know, it's a good, good conversation starter, his books. Sit there, you could argue with your friends, you could argue with, with the book about who, who, who should be number one, who this, that, you know, what are the best games, best moments in franchise history, Mets fans, Rangers fans, they are must haves for both of those fan bases. Uh, Tiger Woods, Tiger, uh, Tiger got himself into a little controversy here at Riviera this weekend. And I don't really think it's that big of a deal. People are making a big deal out of it. It's really not that big of a deal. It has nothing to do with his golf game. His golf game, he's now even par. He's tied for 60th. He's projected to make the cut. He had a good Thursday first round. He had a bad Friday second round. He outdrove his who he was playing with, Justin Thomas. He outdrove him. And as they were walking down the fairway, he handed him a tampon. It's funny. It's funny is what it is. It's funny. It's two guys on the golf course. It's funny. Everybody's all bent out of shape about it, saying he's not, he doesn't respect women. I, I don't have an issue with it. I think it's funny. He kind of slipped it to him. He didn't mean anybody to see it. It was between just the two of them. The camera picked it up. I mean, I guess you got to figure the camera would pick it up. But I really don't see an issue with it. I don't at all. And to be honest with you, about 10 years ago, Annika Sorenstam gave Fred Funk a skirt to wear after she outdrove him. In a skins game. And nobody had a problem with it. Nobody. I went back last night and I read the articles and I saw the headlines and they were all, you know, ha, 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 Annika Sorenstam, Fred Funk wears the skirt. This is like Tiger's a bad person. Tiger's evil. Tiger hates women because he gave Justin Thomas a tampon on the golf course. It's funny. It's something that guys do on the golf course. They drink beers. They joke around with each other. That's what Tiger did. I'll tell you what, it was real good on Thursday. Real good. Birdied the final three holes, but then he fell off. He can't do, you know what the thing is with Tiger is? He could put together a good round every here, every now and then. 
But he can't string together two, three, four good rounds in a row where he could really be in contention. But you know what? Any anytime he plays it, it's you know, and he played great. He he hits those great shots every once in a while. On those last three holes on Thursday, he hit one out of the bunker. He hit one on fourteen off the tee that came about two feet from a hole in one. So, you know, you get the flashes of Tiger still, but you can't get Tiger for two, three, four rounds in a row. It just he just doesn't have it anymore. He's old now. He's old. But as far as the thing with the tampon, listen, I think it's a non-story. It's a non-issue. I know it's all over the place. I I don't have a problem with it. You know, I know most people think I'm one of them woke people because I'm liberal. I have no issue with it. And especially because Annika Sorensen gave Fred Funk a skirt. He wore it. Nobody had an issue with that. That's a double standard. That's a double standard. Bottom line. It's a double standard. Um, elsewhere, big surprise, surprise, surprise. Pitches and catchers have reported Jacob DeGrom is hurt. Is anybody surprised? They're holding Jacob DeGrom out. He's got stiffness on his left side. It's the same story. It's the same story with DeGrom. It really is. You know what? I'm so glad the Mets didn't give him the money. Because he's going to be missing starts. It's going to be the same story. You're going to be paying him a boatload of money. They got the anti-DeGrom in Justin Verlander. Both the Hall of Famers. Justin Verlander is a top 10 pitcher of all time. Justin Verlander is not worried about getting into the Hall of Fame anymore. He's already secured a first ballot Hall of Fame. Whatever happens here. He can never pitch another game. He can give up 10 runs in every start he pitches from now on. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's only pitching for the competition now. He loves the competition. He says he could pitch forever. He's basically like uh, he's being compared to Nolan Ryan and Jamie Moyer. Now, more Nolan Ryan because Jamie Moyer is not a Hall of Fame all-time pitcher. But Nolan Ryan pitched forever. The fact that Nolan Ryan pitched on the 69 Mets and then me, born in 1981, remembers Nolan Ryan pitching. You know how crazy that is? You know, I don't remember games from when I was four and five years old. I remember them from when I was like 10, 11. So that means 1989, 90, 91, 92. I remember Nolan Ryan, and he pitched on the 69 Mets. That's what Verland is going after now. And yeah, he was, like like Russ said in, in the interview, you know, his velocity's down, but I trust him to learn how to pitch. And you know what? He's a bulldog. He gets the, he gets the things done. He gets the innings. He eats up innings. He'll always pitch six, seven, eight innings. Now in April, do I want him pitching a, a whole bunch? No, not really. Him and Scherzer both, though, they're tough to get out of the game. Both of them never want to come out. They want to finish every game, which I love. I do think starting pitching is an overrated, overpaid position. One of the biggest overrated, overpaid in sports. Just for the mere fact that, I mean, look, the Mets have had great starting pitching in the last 20 years. They have zero championships. Zero. But as far as DeGrom goes, listen, good luck, Texas. Good luck. Because this is what it is. This is what Jacob DeGrom is. He's great when he pitches. He's one of the best you'll ever see when he pitches. Because he misses a lot of starts. And it's always something like, like this, like stiffness or a pain, uncomfortable. 
You know, it's never anything real serious. And you never know what it is with the Grom. He's just got something wrong with him. All you know is he misses the starts. You're not paying him to miss starts. So give me Verlander any day. I'm glad to, you know, I wish him the best. I don't wish ill will on him, on DeGrom at all. But I'm glad he's gone. And I think when it's all said and done, we will say we saw the best Jacob DeGrom here in New York. Finally tonight, I want to talk a little bit about Tim McCarver. Tim McCarver passed away this week. He was 81 years old. He was, you know, as far as my generation goes, he was basically the color commentator for, for baseball. He did all the World Series. Mets fans know him back when we were growing up. He was on WWOR with Ralph Kiner. I mean, he just, McCarver was always there is what it was. Tim McCarver was always there. He spent 60 years in baseball, 60 years. He had a 21-year career. He's one of only a few handful of players to play in four decades in the major leagues. And he wasn't a bad player. As far as catchers go, he was probably, a, you'd call him a good player. 271 average, 97 home runs. Played in four decades. You've got to be good to play in four decades. He won two World Series with the Cardinals. He's a two-time All-Star. He was Steve Carlton and Bob Gibson's personal catcher. And then after when he retired the next year, he went right into broadcasting. He called 24 World Series for ABC, CBS, Fox. He started out calling them with Jack Buck and then finished calling them with Joe Buck, Jack's son. Uh, He was big in the union for the MLBPA. He's one of the guys that helped start the union. He, he had a, he actually, one of his biggest, and I respect him for this, one of his biggest moments as a player was in the 1964 World Series. He went 11 for 23, five walks, and he hit the game-winning home run in Game 5 in the 10th inning to give the Cardinals a 5-2 win. They won the series over the Yankees in 7. And then another thing that I love about McCarver here is... He was great. He was great at predicting what was going to happen. And listen to this. Listen to this one. 2001, Game 7. You all know what happened. Okay, Arizona and the Yankees, Game 7. Luis, Luis Gonzalez got the hit. Moments before Luis Gonzalez got the hit, here's the quote from McCarver. Rivera throws inside to, left, to left-handers. to left They get a lot of broken bat hits into shallow outfield, the shallow part of the outfield. That's the danger with bringing the infield in with a guy like Rivera on the mound. The next pitch blooped into center field, World Series over, Arizona's the champions. It was Mariano Rivera's only blown save in the playoffs. He went into the Cardinals Hall of Fame in 2007. He went into the Broadcasters Wing in the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2012. And like I said, I remember him. He was the Mets announcer growing up. For me, he was the Mets announcer. And he did did all the World Series. He did all the World Series with Jack Buck and Joe Buck. He was that guy. He was the voice of baseball as far as we're concerned with Joe Buck and Jack Buck. I know everybody hates Joe, Joe Buck. You're crazy if you hate Joe Buck because he's one of the best, and he's the voice of sports for our generation. That's going to pretty much do it for us here today. I want to thank everybody. The one-year anniversary, we've been doing this now a year. Brett, Brett has promised me that he'll be back next week for Steve Phillips, maybe one of our biggest guests yet. We're very excited to talk to Steve Phillips. Works for any uh, MLB Network now. Of course, the Mets general manager. Whole thing. 
But we want to thank everybody who's listened over this last year. We're going to run through a whole bunch of names here. I want to thank Brett, my partner. Brett, we love you. I want to thank my wife, Sarah. Sarah, I love you. I know I'm a pain in the ass with this show, but you put up with it. We want to thank Bob Usler. Listen, none of the, these guests that we have would be possible if I didn't meet Bob Usler that night at the Met game, and he agreed to come on. Before I even got the question out to him, ask him, he said yes. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe these other guys will come on. So now I just, I just ask everybody. Anybody I want to come on, I ask him. And a lot of them say yes. Mike Westoff, we want to thank. Mike, also, congratulations. He's now the assistant head coach with the Denver Broncos. He's back in the league where he belongs. So we wish Mike Westoff, we wish the coach best of luck there. Uh, we want to thank Mark Roseman. He's, a, he's the reason the show is on. You know, we were on 365 Sports Case, the reason that the show started. So thank you, Mark Roseman, Sweeney Murdy, Salicata, Jeff Perlman, Dr. Howie Mel. I want to thank Jocelyn McCormick for getting me, Dr. Howie Mel, Lance Meadow, Ed Lynch, Rick Mancuso, whole bunch of people to thank. It's been one year. Next week, we, next week we start year two. Steve Phillips, don't forget to tune in. Tell your friends. Go give us a, a review on Apple. Thanks for listening here tonight. I'm Bob Walters. We will talk to you next week, everybody. See ya. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to let everyone know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on our website at LockedUpSports.net. Remember, you can also find us on your favorite social media site, on Twitter at LockedUpSports, on the gram at Locked underscore up underscore sports. Join our Facebook group, Locked Up Sports, or on TikTok at Locked Up Sports Show. Now you can catch all the latest from Locked Up Sports anytime. Thanks for listening.